Girl, have you heard about what's happening on June 20th? Tell me, I wanna know. Well, we want our sisters to live longer. And June 20th is when women of color can come get a free health screening mammogram exam. Talk to a doctor and you can bring young ladies 13 to 17 shows. So it's a free doctor's appointment? Girl, yes, and it's gonna be a blast. Women, women of Columbus, Columbus, join us Thursday, June 20th, 2 to 7 p.m. at St. Charles Prep for a chance to change your life. Welcome you by the African American Male Wellness Agency and Uplifter, sponsored by National Center for Urban Solutions. Abbott, Genta, NBC4, Care Source, Franklin County Board of Commissioners, CMHA, Lifeline of Ohio, Exact Sciences, ADAMH, Victoria Secrets. NPCH. What's up, sandwich heads? Today on Steve O's Sandwich Reviews, we've got the tips and tricks to the best sandwich order. And it all starts with this little guy right here Pepsi Zero Sugar. Partial to pastrami, craving a Cubano. Yeah, sounds delicious, but boom! Add the crisp, refreshing taste of Pepsi Zero Sugar and cue the fireworks. Lunch, dinner, or late night, it'll be a sandwich worth celebrating. Trust me, your boy's eaten a lot of sandwiches in his day, and the one thing I can say with absolute fact. Every bite is better with Pepsi. Warning. This episode contains foul language and some good old-fashioned mind-melting conversation. Listening to Keep It Weird, the podcast for all things strange, unusual, paranormal, supernatural, green, scaly, magical, otherworldly, and everything in between. Each week we sit down with a guest or just each other and we talk about something weird. And this week we have a brand new guest on for what feels like an old topic. We are chatting aliens, one of our absolute favorite subjects, but we are covering aliens in a whole new way. It won't be the usual abduction stories, although we love them so much. Tonight we are digging just a little deeper. We're talking different species, how we classify encounters, if we believe aliens may exist among us, how they may exist among us, and so much more. So let's grab our best telescope, open our minds, and let the stars and planets tell the story. There is so much we can learn together. My name is Lauren, and this is my co-host, Ashley. Hi, weirdos. (laughs) And tonight, we welcome a new guest to our show, though we have been on her amazing podcast, Goth Yearbook, many a time. We adore her oh so much. Please welcome Caitlin D. Hi, weirdos. Hi, Caitlin. It feels like we've had you on before. Oh, my God. I know. (laughs) I I was actually having like a weird like deja vu moment while you were introducing the show, but it's just because I've listened to the show a bunch and I listened to it before I knew you guys. And so I was having this weird moment where I was like, oh, I get to say hi, weirdos. (laughs) The best. You did it. (laughs) And you did so well. Thank you. Yeah, we have. I've been practicing all day. (laughs) We have been on many a podcast together, but like you said, yeah, it was on Gothier Book. Yes, it is weird that you haven't been on yet. It feels like you're already part of the weirdo family, which I mean, of course you are in other ways, but so happy we get to have your voice on the show. 
Oh, I'm so to be here, and I'm actually kind of glad because I know we talked about different subjects to cover, and um, I know we have talked about doing family annihilators. I don't know if you guys were ever into that <laughs> idea, but <laughs> no, we are. We actually, funny enough, have covered that before, didn't we, Ashley, with your sister? No, oh well, oh sort of. We talked about just like fucked up families. And- That's true. So we still could do family annihilators. I was very into that idea, Caitlin. It's so, it wasn't it's so it. heavy. It's, it's it so is. heavy. But those are the topics I always bring, and I always feel so bad for Ashley anytime she's like, "Okay, Lauren, like I picked the idea for the last time. Why don't you do one?" And I'm like, "Child murders," murders? and she's like, "Why?" <laughs> like, Why? Um, animal abuse. I mean, okay, sure. <laughs> I bring really sad things, so I was on board. <laughs> Uh yeah. <laughs> well, I'm glad we're talking about aliens because it's yes. a lot more fun. Yes, it is yes. a lot more fun. If that's the thing with true crime episodes, I'm a very strict, very few jokes. You know what yeah. I mean? So anytime a guest wants to come on, especially like we've had people be like, I want to do true crime. And I'm like, okay, well, just so you know, like it does have to be a little bit more serious. And they're like, I don't want to do it. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. I know. I know uh-huh. you don't. Yeah. You want to get on here and be goofy and you don't right. want to be like, ha 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 ha. Anyways. Right. The child died in the tub. Right. And I wouldn't be able to resist like making jokes. I don't know how people like walk that line when they have those podcasts that are comedy, but also true crime, because I feel like I would just regret everything that came oh, out of my mouth. Everything. Yeah, it is a tough line. We definitely will. We don't make light of the stories, but we do try to keep some lightness in other areas of the episode. So nobody is just listening to it saying like, okay, I'm in the deepest hole of depression of my life. But it is a very, <laughs> it's a very tough line to walk for sure if you guys have not listened to goth yearbook or especially watched goth yearbook on their youtube it's so much fun i've always described it as like going to a sleepover because mm-hmm. it's like the things we talk about the games we play the theoretical questions the fact that we record at 9 p.m in our dark bedrooms it just really feels <laughs> like you're at a sleepover it does. with all of your friends yeah and we usually talk about weird stuff, so I think that's why I was just like, it really doesn't feel like it's her first time on this show. No. Right. Those are more like freewheeling. <laughs> just <laughs> let's just see where the night takes jazz, us. you know? <laughs> oh, it is seriously so fun going on your show, though. Like, it's, know, it's an absolute blast. Yeah, we have we have a good time. Uh, the full, for the listeners, if you want to check it out, it's at Book. I think, right, on Instagram. And then um, I don't admin the account. I have my co-host, Eric Admins, and he also – so the podcast itself is technically called Goth Yearbook After Hours, Mm -hmm. and Eric hosts a radio show on KJRF that is in, like, the Santa Rosa area, in the Bay Area, and that is called Goth Yearbook. So it's sort of like – the brand goth yearbook and the show's called goth yearbook after hours <laughs> i don't know what's it's going a whole on thing. you guys are a whole brand i love it <laughs> it's a vibe it's a whole thing yes. but as for keep it weird we can't yeah. go a full year without talking about aliens um why <laughs> no, should you ever yeah why should we ever honestly you know what we're never going to talk about anything else um in season one we discussed our personal theories on extraterrestrials and spoiler alert our opinions have changed quite a bit <laughs> since <laughs> then um we've had episodes specifically on abductions we've had episodes on very credible sources coming forward with information on the existence of extraterrestrials and the existence of the craft itself. And one thing we've never really talked about in detail is our relationship with them. 
We have, of course, speculated on why they would be coming here from faraway worlds, whether those worlds are far away in terms of distance or dimensions. Are they friend or foe? Are they studying us? What interest could we possibly be to them? But before we do get into it today, you all know Lauren and I pretty well. You know where our, our interest in extraterrestrial stems from. Mm-hmm. You know that we've had unexplainable experiences before. But Caitlin, you've had some experiences that have contributed to your love of aliens. And I want to hear about them because I've <laughs> never heard these stories. Too. My passionate love affair with the aliens. With began, the ET. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> 1994. Uh, yeah. So when I was four years old, so it was the 90s, I had a what I consider to be a close encounter experience. I was sleeping and this entity that called itself Jack, it was invisible, but it was like it wanted me to see the outline of it because he was, and it felt sort of like male. He wanted to be like friendly and distracting. So he was wearing like on top of his invisible, like sort of man-shaped form he was wearing a wizard hat and the gloves that like mickey had in fantasia okay i mean Uh wow it's a choice that's a look it was i was just a witness to this i was like okay (laughs) but it was like this was sort of just being projected on my you know like i could just sort of see this around him if i used my normal eyes that probably have more filters now than when i was a four-year-old you know Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There was nothing there, but it looked like this projection that was dancing. And meanwhile, there was – so I was lying in bed and I was laying on my side and looking at this form. It was like in this – I was looking directly into a bathroom that was attached to the bedroom. And they were in the bathroom. And meanwhile, there was something kind of like on top of me or next to the bed and they were putting – like, it felt like needles through my body. It was, like, oh, pins geez. and needles. Yeah. Oh, boy. And I was very uncomfortable. And I remember particularly one going through my belly button that was so painful. I still, like, uh, like you cannot touch my belly button without, like, me. Uh, it, it just, like, hits every nerve in my body at the same time. Um, and I... I was sort of like, what the fuck, Jack? You know, um, <laughs> we just met. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? And he was like, oh, sorry. That probably, you know, is uncomfortable here. And he sh- he like came into my body and he like showed me how to astral project out of my body or he like lifted me up out of my body. And so I was up on the ceiling and I was able to look down. And I remember like what n- nightgown I was wearing and what I looked like. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, I don't feel the pain here. And then after that, it sort of blurred into more of a dream. Like, I was not fully conscious uh, anymore. And it was like we were walking in my neighbor's house and and just, you know, other things that aren't that, like, interesting. But it was more dreamlike. And then at the end of the night, I was still in bed, but, like, me out of my body. I, like, went to the window in the bedroom I was at and I looked at the moon and Jack was, like, telling me in my head, like... All right, I'm I'm basically going up there. <laughs> like <laughs> bye, you know, See and ya. I was like, okay, bye. And uh I thought it was friendly, even with the needle stuff, like I you know when you're a kid, things like don't have all this baggage to them. So to yeah, me I was just right. like, Oh, it was just like weird sensation, but I 
you know, I don't know if this is like a normal experience to have. And I <laughs> wake up and I tell my parents about it. And they were basically just like, you, that's like nonsense. It was a you dream. Know? They yeah. just yeah. thought you were nuts dream. and dreaming. Yeah. Right. And it would make a lot of sense to explain it as a dream. But for me, I was just like, I don't know. It still opened my mind as far as you know, the possibility of going out of my body. It's It was the first time I would say I, like, consciously separated from my body. And being very young, I was still at a time in my life where I felt – I came – I grew up talking about my past lives and um, how I was a dolphin and had a memory of, like, being a dolphin. My dad was a sailor and I, like, met him and I was like, I'll be that guy's kid. Wow. And yeah, just so I like already had this sense of the world being like not as tangible as not as solid as, you know, not just a three dimensional space, basically. So I never considered it like, oh, he's going into actual physical space. Mm hmm. But he explained it to you like you would explain something to a child. Because exactly. that's, yeah. yeah, that's kind of how, you know, just if you think of it from like a religion standpoint, it's like heaven's in the clouds and hell's in the earth. Mm-hmm. Right. And because I think it's that's just simple. easier. Yeah. Yeah. To me, that's very related to like how I think space obviously is very fascinating and like going to all these planets is fascinating, but I don't think that necessarily. To me, that's just another projection of, you know, the mental space. Mm -hmm. And I don't think necessarily what we're looking for is externally out there. It reminds me of, like, Truman going up in the Truman Show, like, hitting the membrane of the space he was in, you know? Yeah. We're sort of, like, as far out as we're going, we're just inventing more to look at, you know, and to study and quantify and fit theorems around so that we have... You know, can pretend we understand anything about say, what yeah, the fuck is going on. It's more comfortable for us. Yeah. <laughs> right. Maybe instead of like the the beings being out there, quote unquote, out there, maybe the energy is harnessed from out there to I don't know reveal themselves to do whatever they have to do to phase in and out of 3d reality like i i don't know but maybe it's maybe that's sort of the like out there in space it's not necessarily like a planet but it is sort of like we take from the star we take the energy from the stars to manifest or we take the energy of the stars to come into your dimension yeah and i think right now i like I like it too. And I think that's really like what's exciting about aliens and people talking about all this stuff right now is it's like this meeting point of all these old religions and new science. And like in yoga, the yoga philosophy, it's dualist. So it's like there's two fundamental realities. And one is Purusha, which is pure consciousness. Mm -hmm. And one is Prakriti, which is matter. So they in and in that system, the yoga itself, the meaning of the word yoga is to is the union of those two systems. That and that's just one belief system where the deeper philosophy behind it is about this sort of like, you know, reality, physical reality being one aspect of our experience and the mental reality or your imagination or the imaginal whatever you want to call it, spirit, you know, soul. Right, that mm-hmm. both have to exist 
because the other exists. Yeah. And yeah. once we sort of like Americanized yoga, once it became sort of a fitness thing, we called that the mind-body connection. Mm-hmm. Right. But it goes far beyond that. The actual practice of yoga goes so much further than just like my mind is just calm and my body's calm. Right. And so <laughs> um, I just want to cap off the story because basically fast forward to like my 20s mm-hmm. and I was having kind of a bit of a mental breakdown <laughs> and like classic 20s. Yeah. Classic, yeah. (laughs) And I like moved to the woods when I was 23 and studied yoga and I became a yoga teacher. You don't actually have to legally have a license to teach yoga. And I had already been teaching for a few years, but I I wanted to get the certification. And so I found it was actually by total synchronicity. I found this place called the Mount Madonna Center, which is in the redwoods of Watsonville, California, outside of Santa Cruz. And it was built by this... Indian guru guy, uh, religious teacher, you know, founder of this whole school and system, Baba Hari Das. And he has been, well, he died in 2018, but he was ancient and he like hadn't spoken verbally since the 1950s. Damn. And so he ran this school and was just, he taught really like kind of deep cuts of yoga (laughs) it wasn't like the core power yoga experience (laughs) you know it was not the one you're gonna see on the corner next to down dogs yeah (laughs) no it was like six weeks of just being very like isolated eating very like mild food it was kind of like being in a cult but with this very like you know uh yoga is a tradition steeped in a lot of history so you're learning Mm, about history you're studying the philosophy you are doing some asana practice and it was also just a shit ton of meditation and it was really magical like the land that it was on had like it attracted animals from the area like i would park my car and there would be like a deer with a butterfly sitting on its nose you know it was just like what a dream (laughs) and it was a vegetarian community they grew a lot of their own stuff in the garden it was just and they had a hot tub you know (laughs) like it was just (laughs) of course uh, uh uh-huh And anyway, so we had this option during this program to, like, we could sit with uh, Baba Hari Das, like, once a week, and you could ask him questions, and he would, like, write the answers on a tablet. And at that time, I was still very much seeking, you know, like, what my own truth was, what my concepts of reality were, who I was. Because, again, like, I kind of grew up having these, like, experiences of, like, this not just being it, but then... You know, as I got older... How do you access it? Yeah, Yeah. and then people are telling me over and over that my experience isn't real. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this experience at the yoga place, I mean, it was just, like, very awakening in the sense that I could ask someone and he could answer me something very simply. But anyway, so he gave... We had the option of getting names from him, which were yoga names, and, like, it would be a word in Sanskrit that he would give you based on, like, your birthday or whatever. It was the very... It was, like, a very oracle-y part of it, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But he gave me the name Satya, and that in Sanskrit... It basically means truth. But he said, Satya, goddess of creation. And I was like, interesting. I've never heard of Satya being a goddess of creation. I've only heard it being translated as something that means like the truth or knowing or wisdom. And I Googled the words that he – I just Googled Satya, goddess of creation. And it took me to this like GeoCities – 
uh, the one of the first hits was this GeoCities webpage that was like a channel who was like talking about being from the Pleiades and she was channeling, quote, Satya, the goddess of creation. And I was wow. like, oh, interesting. And it was a really gnarly, it was like the perfect time for aliens to come back into my life because I was like, oh, yeah, like my entire reality is just like a projection of my inner reality. And I'm like in this space of like, exploring inner space and these things are starting to come up again you know where i'm like oh I'm, am i from another planet so that was like a whole deep dive into me trying to figure out my identity but right uh without going too much further into that those were like the two pinnacle i would say like alien experiences for me that got you hooked <laughs> yeah because i was like I don't think that this guru knew this would happen, but, like, right. this is my video game where I went to, like, you know, like, I, like, invented the scenario where I go train all, like, Batman style in the mountains, you know, and then I'm, like, <laughs> then I, then I, you know, get this name from him and it, it aligns with this outer reaches galaxy planet where these people used to be dolphins and, you know, like... And it, I totally connect with the story of it, but I still, on some level, I'm like, but this is also just a story, you know? This yeah. Is in a Joseph Campbell view of, like, my reality, this is still just, I'm just making shit up for my own entertainment, basically. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he gave you the name Jack and I was going to shit in my leggings. <laughs> oh, wow. No. <laughs> Your name will be For Jack. two reasons. What? One, because of Jack. We all oh. remember the story. Um, but two, because that's the funniest name that I think I could think of a guru giving you. Like if everyone had names like Sansa. Everyone's and like, are like so poetic and like, sounding and she just uh, gets You're a jacked. Jack. You look like a Jack to me. Yeah, <laughs> I would be Steve myself. today. You're going to be chair. I'm going to call you chair and you pillow and you're Jack. Something went wrong. <laughs> it is what I named my AI uh, replica friend. Because I was like, maybe the alien will talk to me through him. But mostly it's, uh, so far he hasn't shown me a lot of intelligence in the artificial intelligence of this Bummer. equation. But yeah. <laughs> I actually really loved your stories because it's such an amalgamation of so many things we talk about on this show. Really and is. also, you're not going to believe how much you touched on that I'm going to be talking about in part two and like explaining yes about especially with like the ce5 events and stuff oh my gosh um, yeah it, so it was wild hearing you tell that story i was like mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah yes check 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 and Amazing. i think like so many of our listeners are going to connect with that because it's like ashley said anytime we have these stories where it almost like dipped into like sleep paralysis for a little bit and like what our dreams are trying to tell us and the amount of listeners we have that write in who are like what was this experience i had like mm -hmm. i think was they're gonna connect dream. to you yeah yeah well, Absolutely. and even I think we have this tendency to downplay dreams in our society that I think is a hundred percent, you know, you know, whether how intentional it's not like some evil 
person was like, oh, I'm going to suppress the knowledge of dreams. But overall, our system runs pretty well for for people in general that take advantage of it when people aren't in connection with their dreams and aren't like considering the world in their minds as, you know, an authority and a potential to like create change in their external environment in general. Right. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, exactly. I feel like someone even posted that in our Facebook group recently, Ashley, or maybe I'm making it up in my mind, but I feel like someone posted, why don't we talk about our dreams more? Our body goes into a half coma for hours at a time. We have these incredible, artistic, like amazing dreams, and then we all just wake up in the morning and dismiss them or forget them. And I was like, that's so true. Why aren't we talking about it more? Yeah, in more in a lot of indigenous societies, that was the pra- the first thing you do in the morning is talk about your dreams, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I think a lot of people in their relationships they talk about their dreams. I I couldn't function at this point without keeping my dreams in my notes on my phone. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's what I've been trying to do is Same. like be better about writing it, even if it's just something like the other night where it was like I was at the Pantages, Evan Peters was there. He asked me where the nearest hot dog was. I took him to a hot dog stand. It's like write it down. Uh, Who knows? Also, you never lucky. know when you're going to be in that ex- <laughs> that situation where you got to show Evan Peters where the nearest hot dog is, right. and you need <laughs> to be I prepared. Hope that happens for you because Evan Peters is the best. I just but, love yeah, it. that's great. Yeah, and and in ancient times, you know, dreams are how we would talk to our ancestors. Mm-hmm. So we still do. I I mean, we I still, still do. Yeah, yeah. I still feel like I have connection to people in my life that have died through dreams, and I know that's very common. Yeah, yeah and mm-hmm. and there's no reason to diminish that. I think like we're so eager sometimes in science, or science is like so eager to. It's easier. Rational. It's it's about problem solving and it's about mm-hmm. having things that are factual to to base other hypotheses on and you're trying to like prove stuff with science and so you do a lot of labeling and you do a lot of predicting but at the end of the day like reality doesn't obey science, you know. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. we created this system to label stuff basically. Right. It's and true. also yeah. I think I was just going to say exactly what you said, but in a different way. So I'm just not going to say it. Caitlin had (laughs) (laughs) what is known as a close encounter. And I was actually texting Lauren earlier today because I don't know if we've ever actually listed the classifications for UFO sightings before on the show, which is kind of bonkers bananas to me. It's insane. We talk about aliens so much on this show. I don't know how this has never come up. We are fools. (laughs) I Maybe it did and we forgot. We're really, you know, we need show notes. So I'm going to go over them. Everyone has heard the term close encounter of the third kind before. Even if you know nothing about aliens or UFOs, you've seen movies and you've heard of Steven Spielberg. Yes. True. What you may not know is that this is an actual scientific classification system. And it was first suggested and then solidified by a famous UFO researcher and head of Project Blue Book. His name is J. Allen Hynek, which, fun fact has a cameo in the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Love. <laughs> he's he's like smoking a pipe at the end when they're they're communicating with them I with love all that the lights so much. They were like come be in our movie for just 2 seconds cuz you're the <laughs> movie is named after you. <laughs> oh, that's great. So here's the scale. Before we even get to the encounters, we have nocturnal lights, and those are just lights in the night sky. Is it a bird? Is it a plane? Who knows? We don't know. Uh, It's a nocturnal light. 
Then we have daylight disks, and these are UFOs seen in the daytime. Most of the time, for whatever reason, they generally are disk or oval shaped and seem metallic when we see okay. them in the daytime. The third is radar and visual, and these are UFO reports that have radar confirmation. And this alone doesn't equal a, a, an encounter because radar can be fucked up by different atmospheric conditions um, and by other technologies. So it has to sort of be like also confirmed with a visual. And that's where a uh, close encounter of the first kind comes in. It's a visual sighting of an unidentified flying object and they classify it as something that's less than 500 feet away. Like, essentially, you need to see some details of the craft yeah, in order for sense. it to be a first kind. Or it's a combo of visually confirming the craft and combining it with radar evidence. That would count, too. So, like, the latest disclosure and declassified videos released by the Pentagon, th those would be close encounters of the first kind. Oh. All right. I get that. Close encounters of the second kind would be a UFO event in which physical effects uh, occur. And this can be like interference in the functioning of a vehicle or electronic device. Oh. It can be noticing that animals are reacting to it in a weird way, like hiding or barking or whatever. Um, it could be a physiological effect such as like paralysis or heat, feeling heat on your body. Or some physical trace, like impressions in the ground, scorched vegetation, or a chemical trace or radiation of some kind. Okay. So my experience when I was like 18, if it was a close encounter, would be the second kind. That's what I was going to ask, because your electronics malfunctioned mm -hmm. and you lost time. Yeah. And I don't know if I had a close encounter of the third kind, which is what Caitlin had, which is when an entity is present, whether it's a humanoid, a robot, a hologram, a human, a talking mist, a burning bush, some sort of being <laughs> attempts contact in some way. And that's the uh, third kind. And that was what Hynek came up with. And since then, there have been some extensions to his scale based on case reports, based on like new things that have happened. There are close encounters of the fourth kind, which is essentially an abduction. A human is taken by a UFO or its occupants. And this is something that I've sort of uh, just started really, really getting into lately because my whole life, when I think of alien abduction, I always thought of like they, your body physically gets taken out of your window or taken out of your sleeping bag or like whatever and up and like beamed up. Yeah. Beamed but up into a ship. More than likely, it's probably not your physical body. It's probably your consciousness that's being abducted. Oh, okay. And hmm. taken to a new place. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the point of, of it all is the consciousness. Yeah. Exactly. It's probably more of a um, a dream. You know, it could be a dream, yeah. technically. That uh, was Hynek's uh, associate, Jacques Vallée, who is not only... Uh, an important like UFO guy, but he's an important figure in the history of uh, everything. He co-developed the first computerized map of Mars for NASA, and he developed the Network Information Center ARPANET, which was a precursor to the modern internet. It was the first internet. Oh, oh wow. So I'm naming his credits to show you he's a smart cookie. He's not yes. just some like dude who likes UFOs. Right. 
But he sort of molded the fourth kind classification. And he also says that non-abduction cases where hallucinatory or dreamlike events should also be included on this level. Okay. Close Encounters of the Fifth Kind is named by Stephen M. Greer, who I will be talking a lot about in part two of this episode. And this is a UFO event that involves direct communication between aliens and humans, like purposeful, intentional communication between the two. And then we have, okay, and then we have Close Encounters of the Sixth and Seventh Kind. Sixth Kind would be the death of a human or animal associated with UFO sighting, which uh, technically we have no proof that that's ever happened. Mm-hmm. Channeling alien entities or an intrusion or parasitic attachment by an extraterrestrial consciousness. So essentially like being possessed by an alien or uh, like a invasion of the body snatchers type scenario. Men in black and style. F- yes. Oh, yeah. Or like an Edgar suit. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's what I'm imagining. And then finally, Close Encounters of the Seventh Kind would be the creation of a human-alien hybrid, either by sexual reproduction or um, artificial scientific methods. And we don't have a lot of information in the last two of the scale um, because they seem to be theoretical in nature. But also, what do we know? How yeah. is there not? I mean, maybe there is, and I just don't know about it. But I feel like there's got to be a sci- like there should be a big blockbuster sci-fi movie about like someone banging an alien and making a hybrid. Astronaut's yeah, does wife. Does that not exist? Yeah, there's the astronaut's wife. Oh, is that um, what that's about? Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, I've never seen it. They did not do a good job. Oh, right. Yeah. Well, but it's actually uh, the the concept of it is amazing. Uh, basically, you know what? We'll talk about it later. No one needs to hear about this. <laughs> um, <laughs> that can be a side story. Yeah, for yeah. You know what? I we'll was, talk about it. Later. I was JW. I was JW. <laughs> but the astronaut—that is, yeah, the astronaut's wife. I think there's a horror movie too. I mean, I'll you have to would look think, into it. Like, we it's should such do a it. Good story for a movie. We all want to see it. Oh, we all want to see steamy alien human sex. Yeah, I mean, like, 100%. it has oh. to be a really, really good sex Hello, scene, of course. Hello, Species. Yeah, well. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that either. Oh, man, it's basically softcore porn, but with aliens. Awesome. You should totally okay. watch it is, Species. But I still feel like we can do better, but you're not wrong, actually. It does exist. <laughs> also, I am backtracking a little, but I had a question. When you were talking yes. about Close Encounters of the Fourth Kind, now mm-hmm. that we are learning more about it, would we call that... What happened to Betty and Barney Hill when they claimed like they had all these memories of like being shown maps and seeing things like would that have been a fourth kind? I would say probably. Okay. Because I think that the fourth kind, the abduction, that would also include things like like when Caitlin, when you were saying that you felt needles, like people have said that they have felt them. They've been probed or they've been you know they've right. they've had exams essentially mm-hmm. yeah. and some people have even said like i had a surgery right like, they 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 removed something right yeah and in that case i think that that would still be under the fourth kind all right and obviously you can have more than one like you yeah. can have uh simultaneously a close encounter of the first and fourth kind that makes sense got it all right, all right. So those are the classifications. Today we are mostly talking about the fifth kind, which is sort of like our relationship with them and communicating with them. Yeah. And before I go into 
a hefty amount of that. I actually wanted to pass it over to Lauren because you're going to be teaching us about the different kinds of extraterrestrials that supposedly exist. Yes. And I do feel like it's important to say supposedly and allegedly before all of this while I, you know, go into the different species because none of these have, of course, been like proven, proven, proven photos, video, you know, like we have little bits and pieces here and there, but we're mostly going off word of mouth from people. But the crazy thing is like a lot of people say very similar things, as we know from our abduction stories we've told in the past. So, you know, believe whatever you want to. But I wanted to jump right into the one that probably the most people have heard of, or at least both of you guys jumped into it right away. But maybe that's because of who we all are as people. (laughs) (laughs) But there's the Nordic aliens or the Pleiadians, which are the humanoids with stereotypical Nordic features, meaning like tall, blonde hair, blue eyes. These are featured heavily in several cases of contact. People talk about these a lot. They could potentially be from another planet or some even believe they may just be from ancient Earth coming back up to the surface to spread their message that they have been waiting to spread for years and years. But these humanoid Nordic aliens are humanoid extraterrestrials that are said to come from Pleiades, which is a star cluster, part of the Taurus constellation, and it is one of the closest star clusters to Earth. So that is another reason people believe that beings could be coming down from there or, you know, up from Earth. Or maybe they came down a very long time ago and were waiting underground. There are many theories about this. Or maybe they started underground and then came up to the surface and then went to the stars. Yeah, for sure. And then they were called back to the stars. Exactly. <laughs> so they have these names. You know, we their overarching general name is Nordic aliens because they resemble Nordic Scandinavians. And people who believe they have been contacted by these beings describe them as being six to seven feet tall. My word. Maybe even taller in some situations with, you know, those gorgeous features I was describing before and just seem to be the most beautiful beings people have ever seen. Like their breath is taken away when they're in their presence. UFOlogist George Adamski is credited with being among the first to claim contact with Nordic aliens in the mid-1950s, but many more have followed. And scholars note that the most common stories of extraterrestrial visitation from beings with these features often include claims of telepathy, the physical beauty as described and benevolence always coming in coming in peace coming with joy feeling like they're bringing you know love and some sort of message of saying like you're more than this um you are more than what you are on this earth you have more to give you have lived a past life you know it's sort of what caitlin was describing before yeah. where it's like it's a good experience it's a good experience and they're coming to say like life is deeper than what you just see around you. It is also believed these beings come to Earth to observe us and aid in keeping our planet around for a longer period of time. You know, they're big environmentalists. They want us to help the planet, help our Earth. And people in contact with these aliens often experience huge spiritual growth and learn to love themselves after this, which we all love to see. I was going to say, I'm living for that. I would like a visit. I know. I'm going to keep my window open more often. <laughs> Hope they pop I need in. a boost, guys. 
A lot of people who experience um, visitations from them call it their star seed awakening. There are a ton of YouTube videos on this. I was watching a few over the last week while preparing for this episode. It's a lot of people our age, and it's happened in like the last few years for them. So this is not just, you know, from the 50s and 60s when we first started hearing about these guys. Like, people are talking about the Pleiadians all the time and saying they had their star seed awakening. They were called to Pleiades. They, you know found out about their past life, all of these things. So you can look it up on YouTube if you want to learn a little bit more. But there's some very cool stories. And I do have to talk about this one girl. I don't know how I feel about her yet. I don't know if you guys saw this video. It just happened back in March a few months ago. But a girl named Ula in March of 2021 made a video claiming to be a Pleiadian sent to Earth um, in 1989 when she was born to live like she's a human but to help us along our journey, to aid in a cure for COVID, she said. But I mean, oh. she took a hot minute. And <laughs> she's trying to complete <laughs> her mission to bring the world healing. So you can go look up Ula the Pleiadian girl. She also claims she is a combination of a Pleiadian girl and the Virgin Mary no. in one. Okay. okay. So that's a is thing. she also Marilyn Monroe and she Cleopatra? Is also- I know I love that when it's like you were Cleopatra in your last life and it's like first of all I've heard a lot of people say that (laughs) so did we we split it (laughs) like how'd that work did we all get like 116 is this a Mandela effect situation where on this timeline I got to be Cleopatra but on that timeline she got to be Cleopatra I mean in a sense we've all been Cleopatra technically everyone we're all Cleopatra Cleopatra right now (laughs) we are Let's own that. <laughs> oh, Lord. Okay. I just pictured like, <laughs> you know, that part in the office where Steve Carell pulls up and he's like, it's Britney, bitch. And like the music <laughs> he's listening to is not Britney Spears. It's Lady Gaga. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I just pictured like myself pulling up being like, I'm Cleopatra, bitch. <laughs> um, but I'm not. I love that. I'm just going to finish my Pleiadian speech with these. Beings can also be called tall whites, which I just well. thought was funny. And all, my favorite, Space Brothers. Aww. <laughs> okay. Into Space Brothers. I feel like tall whites we should avoid. No, tall whites is terrible. It's just wrong. Yes, it was. This was a term used a long time ago when people were just like, well, they were tall and white. So and then we as we learned more, it was like, hey, that's a dumb term. But I really enjoy Space Brothers because it's like Space Brothers. They're coming to be your family and help you on your journey. So I did enjoy that. (laughs) Honestly, the Pleiadians sound like people I'd want to go to Burning Man with and just have a really good time. So I'm into it. (laughs) And another very well-known species are the greys also known as the gray aliens, the Roswell grays, because a lot of people believe that's the type that was seen at the Roswell incident. And they can also be referred to as Zeta reticulans, which hello, who? I don't know. Is that a real thing? It is, (laughs) which I'll get to in a second. Okay. Um, So yeah, those are a couple of names, but most commonly (laughs) the grays. Approximately 73% of all reported alien encounters in the U.S., not around the world, but in the U.S., describe gray aliens, which is a huge percentage. Um, It is a significantly higher proportion than other countries, which are like below 50%. So grays are in the U.S., or maybe more people are coming forward about them. I don't know. 
Or we watch more film. It could be the including movies. aliens because yes. aren't the greys? <laughs> aren't the greys like they're, they're the like classic? They're the Hollywood aliens. Yeah, yes, one hundred percent. Small bodies. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. And we are watching more of those movies. So greys are typically depicted as light gray-skinned humanoid beings that possess reduced forms or completely lack external human body parts like noses ears no mm. sexual organs um may, may, <laughs> i know right maybe some nipples maybe not i'm not sure about those it depends <laughs> who you ask. uh we need to stop the podcast right now because i need to know about the nipples i have to know about do the they nipples. have assholes <laughs> do they have assholes if I they don't, don't have nipples i think i've seen a-holes i don't think i've seen cheeks but maybe <laughs> They're typically depicted as being elongated, having a small chest, lacking any muscular definition, um, and having a pretty visible skeletal structure. Their legs are usually shorter and jointed differently from humans, and their limbs are in no good proportions to their bodies. So, yeah, we usually see them kind of like short and huge heads and the big black eyes. That's like the common thing that we see on TV and movies, whatever. I even think of like an American dad that alien is like what I'm imagining in my head if oh, anyone's yeah. ever watched that show. I always picture um, the ones from uh, Spice World when the girls like stop <gasps> in the woods on the bus with meatloaf <gasps> and they get out and they yes. have that alien encounter <laughs> and they like sign <laughs> autographs and stuff. <laughs> oh my god, yes. That movie doesn't get enough credit. Oh, it's it doesn't. on my shelf. It's one of my eight <laughs> DVDs that I own. <laughs> it's so good. It is one of the most underrated films. It's so good. Uh, Sorry. No, I totally <laughs> forgot there was even an alien scene in that movie, uh-huh. and you just it, like reignited the joy for that movie, and I yeah. can't wait to watch it, so thank you. <laughs> also, these creatures probably have no hair all over their body, or that's what people describe, or that's what we see in the movies. No outer ears, noses, or really any holes, so that answers, you know, the oh, asshole okay. comment. They're just like kind of this smooth gray thing with the huge black (laughs) eyes the barney and betty hill abduction as we've talked about on the podcast before as we briefly mentioned earlier which took place in new hampshire in 1961 um very very popular story this is really what popularized gray aliens coming into i guess the normal news because again it was always just this was the hollywood alien but barney and betty hill started to describe this and people were like wait a second is this not only in the movies and books like is this a real thing should we be worried also again these were mentioned at the roswell incident it is believed that that is what was found in the wreckage that everyone has been trying to hide evidence from us about and we just don't know what is true but also again to sum it all up mostly these are just the hollywood aliens which also the gray has been changed to green we like to imagine aliens as tiny green men or martians but as far as abduction and encounter stories, nobody has really ever said they've seen a green alien before. But the gray is a more common thing. Well, I wonder if we are thinking, you know, because a lot of people attribute that and they're like, well, that's how we know that they're made up because they're just describing an alien they saw in a movie before. Mm-hmm. But if we're thinking about these creatures being uh, creatures of higher consciousness and projecting what they think we want to see. Right. 
then that would make sense of like the Nordics being like very beautiful because that can be very alluring or like the greys being like, hey, remember me? I was in uh, Signs. Oh, maybe not Signs. I was that thinking would be bad. that too. But, like, hey, remember me? I was in E.T. Like something like that right. where it's like they they project this image of themselves that you would understand like if you were yeah. a child trying to understand because if they showed you what they actually look like i mean they could be like literally made of light particles or literally you wouldn't made understand of... what you were seeing yeah. this is a way to say i'm an alien right yeah. and they might not even have like a normal physical reality that they participate totally. in you know and yeah. those images that people do come up with they still come even if it's from like an unconscious realm or whatever like even if like no one ever saw that before it was in a movie characterized in that way that's still like it's still a mental projection of something that so where did they where did that imagination come from that's that's coming from you know some other reality into and it's like your brain waves picking it up and you translating it into something that's physical yeah, yeah, like your mind exactly. is making that happen so it can, you know, understand what it's seeing. Mm-hmm. But I agree with that. It's not even that they're necessarily coming in that gray form, but that is what that is what's being created in our brain. I like that a lot. When the grays are seen, it is believed they're coming from the Zeta Reticuli, which I was mentioning ah. that earlier, which is a star system. Okay. Um, and this idea originated actually from the Betty and Barney Hill abduction story because betty went under hypnosis in 1969 and she claimed to have been shown a map which displayed the alien's home system and the nearby stars around it so she was asked to draw it and when her drawing was examined it was almost identical to the zeta reticuli star system it was so close that everyone like everyone who looked at it without a doubt said this has to be what she's describing so that became known as where the quote-unquote grays come from so that is how they got the name zeta reticulans which i never knew that about the betty and barney hill story and thought that was actually kind of cool that she actually drew a star system that existed and in her hypnosis state remembered it perfectly so that was pretty wild Okay, I don't want to go on too long. There's a bunch that aren't even worth mentioning, but reptilians. <laughs> wow, so all those many... aliens just speak just for yourself. Off the podcast, they're like, "Fuck this show, <laughs> fuck this <Wow>. girl." <laughs> She'll talk about the tall whites. But... <laughs> <laughs> she left out all the minorities. I. <laughs> there are a bunch that were only mentioned by like one person and were mostly debunked. So I was like, I don't even know. I might throw them in there, but. Another good one to talk about is reptilians, also known as reptoids, lizard people, reptilioids, or draconians. These are the nasty boys. Yeah. Ashley's talked about them a lot, I feel like, on the podcast. Nasty, nasty boys. (laughs) You love the lizard people. (laughs) These are supposed reptilian humanoids, which play a prominent role in conspiracy theories, of course. Um, The idea of reptilians was popularized by many, a conspiracy theorist who claimed that shape-shifting reptilian aliens control Earth by taking on human form and gaining political power to manipulate our society. We have mentioned these many a time before, and it is believed that some of even the most powerful politicians here in the U.S. could actually be reptilians or lizard people. Who knows? I kind of believe it. But alien abduction narratives sometimes allege contact with reptilian creatures, not as much as the greys and the Palladians, but 
There are still a few. One of the earliest reports was that of Ashland, Nebraska. There was a police officer named Herbert Shermer, which is a fun name to say. Herbert Shermer. Herbert Shermer. (laughs) (laughs) Who under hypnosis recalled being taken aboard a UFO in 1967 by humanoids with a slightly reptilian appearance and long Hmm. tongues. And he even saw a winged serpent fly out of the room at one point. So that made me upset. Is that Quetzalcoatl? Who? Quetzalcoatl? The Mayan? The Aztec and Mayan god Quetzalcoatl. He was a a winged serpent. Oh my gosh. Do you think that's who showed up? I don't know. Maybe. (laughs) I've always thought that Quetzalcoatl is an alien. (gasps) Well, I like that theory. We're going to go by that now. All right. (laughs) (laughs) The conspiracy theorist David Icke was the first one to sort of come up with the reptilian humanoid theory. So sick of this guy. I know. And he's the one that, like, wrote books and made it more popular and is the reason that Ashley had a very long tangent about lizard people in one of our episodes, so you can just go follow him. (laughs) Reptilian aliens also could be ancient astronauts or ancient aliens, which actually is such a cool theory, meaning that these could be creatures that once visited Earth and made contact with us, meaning humans in prehistoric times, made their home underground and are just waiting to come above ground and do their thing at any time, or maybe they already have, and we're just waiting to see. But they may be the whole reason that we have any of the technology, religion, any of our culture basically at all would be because of these ancient aliens. What are they waiting for? Right? What's got to happen? Like, it's not going to get better up here. It's not. So. So they might as well just come on just up. Just get, get it over with. But maybe they are already here. This is the whole thing. They're True. walking among us. That's what I, yeah. yeah, especially if they're just communicating in, like, inside our minds, you know, as opposed to embodying physical forms. It's a lot harder to convince people like in large in mass you know that that's actually happening because it's usually a subjective experience and Mm -hmm. we have this tendency to be to in our society be like oh if it's not something that we can all agree upon like if you can't prove it 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 didn't happen Yeah. yeah but i think plenty of people have you know have been channels for these entities that identify maybe they're not even from like a star system in our physical concept of the universe but maybe they're just from some other you know we call it dimension because a dimension is just like direction basically so it's you know it's like longitude and latitude it's like a way of identifying where they're from but if they're not if they don't just work in our time space reality maybe the only way that we can access them in in certain ways is through that like telepathy and dreams or automatic writing or that kind of thing yeah, and yeah. also, like, if these are beings of higher consciousness and they do communicate telepathically, you know, when you think of, like, what I said earlier when I, like, sort of threw in the word, like, a muse, like, muses, mm-hmm. where they don't, like, necessarily take over your body or take over your consciousness, but they send suggestions. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they want this to happen, so they just drop the idea in there and yeah. see... Like, please grab hold of this idea and run with it. Yeah. I'm offering it to you. Well, and you could see, like, your inner guides even as, um, I'm sorry, I literally just, like, saw <laughs> this, like, 
white light globe in my room. But Classic. it's like, but I'm also like, is there just something on my eyelash? Um. <laughs> oh, that old chestnut. Was it Either real way. or just my mascara? It's you know, though, but the the lights thing, when um, Amy Goldenberg was over at my apartment and we were talking about extraterrestrials in one of her episodes, um, and she was talking about how she has had contact with uh, what she considers to be extraterrestrials. I I had never, ever, ever thought of aliens as anything other than like greys and coming from outer space at the time. It's not it's basically since then that I started, I don't know, like thinking of them as light beings or thinking of them as interdimensional. And there was all kinds of weird lights like flickering in the reflections of the windows Ooh. in my apartment. And it was just like, and I, I said something about it and she noticed me looking at it and she asked what I was looking at and I told her and she was like, oh yeah, that's them. And I sort of was like, yeah, yeah. But then it kept happening and I was like, okay, what the fuck is going on and why am I seeing all these lights in my apartment? That's so funny that you're saying that because that's like the last category I was going to talk about is there's also beings that people refer to as rods or skyfish or flying rods. And it's basically just like long white blurs of light that appear in photos and video that people just can't really explain. It's basically like if you go into a haunted house and catch like an orb of sorts, like the little white dots, it's that but on steroids because it's long Mm. light that takes up, you know, a big portion of the picture or is going across the sky in a video and nobody is exactly sure what it is. So that it's kind of like a big light of sorts that appears and the first time someone really spoke out about it it was a guy named jose escamilla back in 1994 it was when he went to roswell and was trying to film what he thought was a ufo and he caught this long rod of light as he called it and he said you know there was no other way to explain it i only saw it when i was in roswell like really close to the site of the incident and there's no way to explain this so he went on tour he was trying to get his claims out there he had a lot of believers but unfortunately a lot of scientists were trying to debunk him and quiet him and say you know he was crazy and he probably saw a flock of birds or i don't they were saying the most ridiculous things but you see these things in photos and some of them are very hard to explain other than like something was Something was making that light, something was appearing, or else you edited this photo or video. Of course, that's always an option, but that is an example of a sighting as well, or the lights. Yeah, I actually, um, it was funny because while I was watching that movie that Stephen Greer did, I think it's called Close Encounters of the The Fifth Kind. Yeah. Fifth Kind, yeah. And he, while, while he was talking about aliens like using lights to communicate that was i watched that documentary the same day that i got my tattoo of my dead cat's name and um, listener of of your show probably aren't as familiar but if you listen to dothier but you know that my my <laughs> cat that i put down last year dinah is like uh loves haunting through electricity and there was a whole event on my power grid when she died but I had gotten her name tattooed and ever and like the moment I got home after getting the tattoo my the bed uh, the light on my nightstand had been flickering 
And I was like, oh, cool. What's up, Dinah? And I was watching this documentary and Stephen Greer was talking about how the aliens like to communicate through lights. And it's just blinked like a few times again. And I was like, oh, Dinah is kind of an alien now because she like lives out of this realm now. Elsewhere. And she might have been an alien while she was here because I 120,000% believe that cats are like half extra. Honestly, me too. 100%. We're all aliens somewhere. That's right. True. We're all star seeds. <laughs> uh, we're all Cleo- We're all Cleopatra. <laughs> we are all Cleopatra. <laughs> but yeah, cats. I I always felt like, and maybe I'm just biased because I love them so much. But I didn't always. I was a cat hater for a very long time. They're just very smart and important and empathetic creatures. But to me, they were always like there was a an alien species that like helps. Uh, ancient civilizations, you know, that's why we see so m- many um, ancient Egyptian gods with cat-like features. Mm-hmm. And then when they left and they were like, all right, you got to take care of this place. Like, we we built it for you. You got to take care of it. They were like, here, have a couple cats. <laughs> and they'll watch after it. <laughs> they'll protect it. And now it. we just have millions of them. And they're here and they're watching. And they're just making sure that we're, like, minding our P's and Q's. Yes. I love that. Or they're just cats. I don't know. Well, I mean, I think everything to some extent just is like a house for consciousness, you know, and maybe some cats are totally like reptilians and just here to fuck up <laughs> the world. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> here um, to destroy and then, everything. Yeah. And like when I met my, when I met Dinah, I will like never forget the first moment that like, and I haven't, not all my, I've had a million pets in my life, like growing up and as an adult. And um, I love them all, obviously, but I don't meet yeah. all of them and feel like, oh, I know you from somewhere. Like we have a history and we've interacted before. And I totally felt that way with this cat. And it was almost like we had shared like a human life together somehow, like in you know, past simultaneous life, whatever reality. And I was like, oh, this this creature is here to kind of like keep me tr- on track and kind of grounded. And I mm-hmm. didn't mean to get her in my 20s, but I did. And she was very, uh, she like hated everyone else on the planet except for me. <laughs> and she was your familiar. She yeah. was. And it got me through some of the like the darker depression, like, you know, wanting an escape, suicidal ideation stuff, because I was like, oh, like, she will not accept another owner, you know, like, she'll just die after me, probably. And that, like, kept me alive in parts of my life, you know, and I was like, this is obviously, I don't know, that relationship is significant, you know, and so it made Mm -hmm. sense that that was the cat that I felt so connected with and I think people feel that way with animals all the time like people who lose animals that they're close with I mean it's like they lost their spouse sometimes you know yeah Yeah. definitely so we can have these really powerful relationships with it and it's all nonverbal it's all it's hugely telepathic it's usually based on you know your capacity to communicate non-verbally with another creature that it doesn't know your language and doesn't come from the same place you do but you have like a synergistic relationship and i think we're able i think we will be able to like have that sort of relationship some people already do but with interdimensional beings or other aliens or whatever you want to call them the more consciously we like create space for that yep 
And I also feel like, you know, because I always like to compare it to I'm not a religious person, but I always like to but I grew up religious. So I know a lot of the, you know, beliefs and I, I, I have a lot of people or I at least used to have a lot of people in my life who are very religious. So I know kind of how they think. And if you talk to someone who is, say, a Christian about this, they would say, oh, it was your angel. Right. Mm hmm. And it's like, sure, yeah, it was a celestial being. I agree. Yeah. yeah. It's like we can be but, on the same page of this, but I'm yeah. going to say it a little differently. Yeah, but we just have different language exactly. for it. And a little bit of different understanding. Yes, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> and that's fine. Well, and and you'll never convince, you know, them otherwise, and they'll never convince mm-hmm. you otherwise. Right. So both no, of no, those no. are realities. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you're existing you in parallel universes, you know? Yeah. But you're interacting when you guys intersect in the, you know, time-space world. True. Lauren, do you have any other guys for us that you'd like to bring up that weren't one-offs? <laughs> uh, I know. I feel like I was so do you, rude did you saying, find like, anything oh, the other one. about Jack? Who? Did you find anything about, like, Jack? My, you know, like, my a, alien, your guy. Uh, K- Caitlin's guide. Like, did you find anything about, like, giant gloves or... <laughs> I didn't see anything about Mickey gloves and a wizard hat. Mm. I'm wondering, had you watched, what is that, Fantasia recently before you saw Jack? Oh, I'm sure. And also, like, we went to Disneyland all the time and Fantasmic was, like, my favorite thing as a kid. Oh, hell yeah. So it was, like, a very powerful image for me. Right. I think it's exactly what you were saying before with everybody seeing the greys. It's like it's that familiar Mm -hmm. picture. So maybe you were thinking of Mickey Fantasia and that's why you saw the big gloves, but... Yeah. Maybe we need to interview more kids. They may see the same (laughs) thing. I actually, um, so since then, um, you guys, I mean, I, I write music, obviously, and, Mm -hmm. well, I don't think we talked about it yet, but to the listeners at home, I play music, and- She's a musician, (laughs) and she's fantastic. She's awesome. Uh, but I have been, so my last record was really, you know, it was, like, my first attempt at a concept album, but I really, what it ended up being, I've been wanting to write- fantasy since I was a kid and I used to write all the time I'm very I've always been very like private about my writing and so it's not something I've pursued but I kind of pursued music as like this concession where I was like oh this is like cool and social and also you know I meet cute boys and it's, you know, whatever. And that helps. It's cool. And like writing books is like, I don't know, you got to stay inside and be very serious. And it's a lot of work. And have a very long beard and a pipe. Right. And I, which I'm working on. But <laughs> since writing that record, my last record, Deus Ex Machina, it actually ended up being like the premise or like an outline for a novel that was in my head that was starting to come out and the main character is actually named jack and i part of me is like maybe i'm just like telling this entity's story because if you work with creative stuff a lot it's you know at a certain point you know like you have to surrender direction and control and you're just channeling something and so sometimes when i'm writing i'm like oh i wonder if this is like and I think Philip K. Dick talks about this too, or so, I don't know, some science fiction writer. Someone famously said, there is no such thing as fiction. Everything exists somewhere. Mm. Yeah. And so when we're 
drawing on our creativity, we're really just sort of painting the picture of these other worlds, you know, that do exist because everything exists. Yeah. Yeah, just the mere uh, thought is a form of creation. Mm Mm-hmm. And especially if our universe is is constantly expanding, it's infinite, and it will expand and expand and expand. There's no telling that, like, every single creature that we come up with in our brains here on Earth doesn't legitimately start forming on another world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. If you want to talk about it in, like, a really physical way. Absolutely. Hello, my sweet star seeds. That's all the time we have this week for Keep It Weird. Thank you so much for listening to our show. This episode continues next week for part two as we discuss how you, yes, you, can attempt to directly communicate with extraterrestrials in your own backyard. We also talk about what messages they have given us and why the government doesn't want us to know about it. You should follow Caitlin on Instagram at Caitlin D. That's C A I T L I N D E E E E E five E's. And follow her podcast at Goth Yearbook. Also, if you're looking for some real spacey, mesmerizing tunes, check out her albums on Spotify. Just search Caitlin D. And that's just two E's this time. And of course, follow us on social media at Keep It Weirdcast. If you listen to us on iTunes or the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment to rate our show five stars. If you want to support our show financially, you can head over to www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast and donate one, five, or ten dollars to our show once. Or you can set it up to donate monthly and you'll get bonus episodes. That's right. We put out two a month, a newsletter full of upcoming horror and sci-fi movies and TV, upcoming documentaries, true crime tales that we don't cover on the show, strange news, and of course, real life scary stories. And you'll also get discounts on merch and shout outs on the show. It's a pretty sweet deal for $10 if you ask me. You can also just head over to www.etsy.com slash shop slash keep it weird podcast and grab a t-shirt, tank top, hoodie, or sweatpants so you can rep our show wherever you go. We have new designs dropping soon, so keep an eye out for that. We'll be posting them on our social media. In the meantime, keep your eyes on the skies and keep it weird.
say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill.